This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our study of the book of beginnings, Genesis, with Noah and family enter the ark, the great flood commences, the great flood prevails, God remembers, and the dove and olive branch. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. In the West, in the 21st century, religious pluralism is a fact. It simply is. It's a multi-religious culture and society, but it's also for some a way of approaching religion, choosing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, no matter how contradictory the ideas might be. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about pick and choose religion, Pastor Bill Swirla. He's a retired pastor in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod and author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine titled A Buffet of Beliefs. Bill, welcome back. It's good to be back. You talk about an idea borrowed from Carl Truman, a regular guest on this program, the expressed individual. What is that? Truman borrows that expression from Robert Bella. And I'm just quoting from his book here in terms of a definition. And the term is expressive individualism, holds that each person has a unique feeling and intuition that should unrest if individuality is to be realized. And the whole idea is that we are each autonomous individuals who define our own selves. So it's, it's, you might say theologically, this is original sin turned up to 11. This is, this is the self-curved inward, as Luther liked to say. But, but so this is the self-defined, self-actualized, self-contained individual whose arbiter of truth or whose truth reference is his or her own feelings, uh, intuitions, self-perceptions, that sort of thing. So the, the whole idea is that we have become a culture of uh, self-defined individuals. You say that really there's no better place to see this expressed individual than in spiritual matters. How would you describe that? Yeah, I think it's it's contained in these phrases like, you know, I'm spiritual but not religious, which is very common. It's it's that that's almost I mean it's certainly a bumper sticker, but it's it's a, a well-accepted phrase today. It's been kicking around for 10 or 15 years or more. But the idea being that nobody tells me what to believe. I define my own belief and belief system. And I also am accountable to nobody for what I believe, except uh, it's all between me and my version of God, this kind of thing. But it's it's people, and then because spiritual matters tend to be invisible things, things of the spirit tend to be invisible, it lacks that sort of third-person perspective. So I can have opinions about cars or sports, but there are other people looking in on the same thing, and they'll have opinions too. But when it comes to spirituality, it's purely subjective in the minds of many. And so the idea of a shared spiritual experience or a common spiritual experience, as we experience in our congregations that are congregated around 
word and sacrament. You know, it's a spiritual thing, but uh, we share that in common. This isn't the, the direction that goes. What it goes is that uh, I define what's spiritual for me. And the expression of that is my own individuality, as much as it is my personality or in modern terms, my sexual orientation. See, all of these things kind of revolve around the same thing. I decide. I decide what is right for me. I decide what is true for me. I decide who I am. And it's my obligation to express that and for other people to affirm that. You say it's exasperated by the internet because now we all have kind of fingertip and really very, very private access to many spiritual ideas. Yeah, no kidding. I think this has accelerated. These ideas have been around for a long time, but I think that the ready access to information and information in isolation, I, I think it's the two together that are really a toxic mix. There's nothing wrong with the density of information on the internet. And it really is information. It's sometimes very little knowledge and certainly no wisdom, but there's a lot of information out there. But it's accessed in a way that the, the person is isolated. You're in your own room with your own computer or your device, but you don't have any communion or commonality with other people. So it's not like watching a football game with a bunch of uh, football fans, because there we can talk about what we're seeing and share the common experience and exchange opinions and ideas. And you realize maybe you don't know as much about football as you thought you did. But here on the internet, you can become an instant expert on virtually everything. And I think the year 2020 really amped everything up even further because we were into a forced isolation and everybody overnight became an expert epidemiologist and virologist and you name it. So why not spiritual matters too? everybody a theologian? And you certainly have access to every spirituality that the human mind has ever invented. So it's a very rich source to draw on and there are no filters and there's no feedback from others around you to say, hey, wait a minute, have you thought about this? Or do you know about this? So, you know, it, it's the, again, the, the danger of the isolated individual. How would you describe what you call the pagan options that are available to people who visit this buffet of beliefs? Yeah, we, we have them all. Religions don't go away. They kind of go into remission and they pop up periodically. Now, the difference between the old paganism and the modern paganism is that the old paganism was pretty much a kind of an attempt to manipulate the forces of nature. In our terms, it was pretty crude. You offered sacrifices, sometimes human, and you're trying to base God's favor or participate, or you know, the gods participated in the fertility of your soil and your wife and everything of that sort. The modern paganism leaves out the material entirely. So it's purely in the realm of ideas and concepts and feelings and thoughts even, which is very conducive to the internet. The internet's not really the place to offer blood sacrifice. That doesn't really work. It's certainly the place of what C.S. Lewis called the clear religions, you know, the religions of the mind. And so all the pagan concepts are still in force, especially 
the more Gnostic variety, the kind of immaterial stuff, the stuff that doesn't fingernails or people congregating in groups or things like that. But it's about meditation. It's about relaxation. It's about self-actualization and especially about seeking the truth and the light and everything you're looking for within rather than looking outside of yourself, extra nos, as we like to say, outside of ourselves, where faith looks. We look inward because the inward is where all the answers are. How would you respond to someone who says, well, look, there are a lot of at least external similarities between Christianity and these pagan manifestations, if only in their kind of bare morality? That's true. In, when you look at religious life in general, there's a lot of commonality. People pray. Very often people meditate. People will have sacred texts. So there's a lot of commonality in in religions, but the commonality does not define necessarily a common truth. And so the the danger is we we see we see Hindus or Buddhists meditate and we say, "Oh, well meditation is good, so we we should borrow from them the good stuff of meditation." Well, nothing comes in isolation. Everything brings along its own spiritual baggage. A Buddhist meditates to essentially empty himself of any connection to the material world, to become sort of inwardly nothing, whereas a Christian meditates on the Word of God. So there's a a big, big difference there. And so I, I think if you just kind of pick and choose by looking at the externals, you're in danger of missing the point, because all those externals are revolving around a common idea or a common belief. And unless you understand what that is, it's not necessarily a good idea just to kind of pluck this and that because it happens to look very similar to what we do. Give you an example. I've seen in Christian circles where meditative or contemplative prayer, people are drawn into Buddhist practices and are very comfortable meditating and praying with Buddhists which from a Christian perspective is is really a contradiction in terms. You know, there are not many paths. There's but one path, one way, one truth, one life, you know, Jesus. And yet because of this 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 idea of just sitting still and being quiet and somehow find a kind of a false communion, a false commonality. And that's really the danger is establishing false commonalities where there really isn't any. It's really the commonality of darkness and light in many cases. Pastor Bill Swirla is our guest. We're talking about pick and choose religion. He's author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine, A Buffet of Beliefs. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the various Christian choices. Now someone says, well, aren't we safe within the Christian pale? Well, not all Christians believe the same things either. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Spiritual and religious. You're listening to Issues Etc. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. Do you want a church with a rockin' band and a sermon series to help you live a better life? It's not here. Bethany Evangelical Lutheran Church in Fairview Heights offers authentic, historic Christianity to a world awash in fads and entertainment, and offers forgiveness of sins to people overwhelmed with guilt and shame. Join us Sundays at 9.30 on Old Collinsville Road in Fairview Heights, Illinois, to receive the life-giving gifts of God with us. Find out more online at BethanyLCMS.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about pick and choose religion with Pastor Bill Swirl, a retired pastor in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod and author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine, A Buffet of Beliefs. You can receive an annual print and digital subscription to the Lutheran Witness for less than $25. Find out more at cph.org slash witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Interpreting the World from a Lutheran Perspective, the Lutheran Witness Magazine. Bill, does this buffet of beliefs include various iterations of Christianity? Very much so. The danger with importing things from paganism or from other religions is that you wind up worshiping false gods. The danger with kind of picking and choosing or doing a buffet thing with Christian doctrine or Christianity in general is that you wind up worshiping the true God the wrong way. And by that, I mean that uh, there's certainly within the Christian camp, there's a lot of commonality. We all confess Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior. We confess uh, his death as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We believe that he rose from the dead. We believe the Bible is the word of God and that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and that it's uh, reliable and without error and authoritative, all these things. However, I think there's a common misunderstanding that Christianity is a collection of, of articles of doctrine, just little little pieces that need to all be kind of put into a container and held together. And so long as you have most of the pieces, you're okay. But that's not really how doctrine works. Doctrine has a a kind of a coherence to it. And it's more like a woven cloth where all the strands are woven together. And if you start pulling on a strand, the whole thing starts to unravel after a while. And there we have to exercise a lot of discernment as well, because there are systems of thought or Christian groups that believe that you and God work together for your salvation. There are groups that believe that God alone works for your salvation. Now, these are not reconcilable with each other, right? There are those who believe that God deals with us kind of directly through our thoughts, our feelings, uh, even visions, dreams, ecstatic experiences, things like that. And there are other groups that God works through his 
his word as it's preached and read and through the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And the, these are the, the, the means by which God addresses us and deals with us. And those two ways of looking at things are, are rather incompatible too. And so uh, the danger these days, because we have so many choices in any given neighborhood, you have maybe a half dozen or more different variations of Christianity represented. People tend to kind of like to sample a little bit of this and a little bit of that. They like the music here. They like the youth program there. They like the VBS over at the next place. And what you end up with is a kind of a toxic brew of confusion in the end, which is a little wonder why some some of the kids or the young adults are kind of confused. They've been dragged through a bunch of VBSs and they've been kind of sampling the buffet for a long time. And they realize that there's never been a coherent menu at all. So how are we to prevent this spiritual restlessness and actually settle upon what it is Scripture actually teaches instead of what merely strikes our fancy? That's a huge question, Todd. Because there's so many choices, more than ever before, and then compound that with what's available on in media form too, and it just it's it's just grown exponentially. The Lutheran genius, and I can only speak as a Lutheran because I'm a Lutheran. I've always I I only know Christianity through this way of looking at things. But the Lutheran genius is to have Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God, in the center of everything, and His person as true God and true man, and his work as redeemer of the world and savior by his death and resurrection for the justification of the sinner, that's the core, that's the sum and substance which holds everything else together. So we don't have this kind of random doctrine of baptism or this quirky doctrine of the Lord's Supper or even the way we view the church or church fellowship, or even the Bible, it's always linked to this core, this Christ center. And I think that's a really good starting point in in looking at any Christian doctrinal system is what's at the center? What's driving the thing? Is it God and his sovereign majesty? Is it man cooperating with God? Is it even the church? Or is it Jesus Christ, the God-man crucified and risen for your salvation? That, I think, is a a really good starting point in in at least evaluating what's holding these things together. Finally, with about a minute, what does the apostolic admonition to test the spirits actually look like in real time? That's great. Thank you for asking that, because that's incumbent on every believer. Not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. Not every spirit is holy. And I gave you one criterion just in the last question is, is Jesus Christ proclaimed? Is what you're hearing and singing and confessing? Can you say all these things? Had Jesus never become man, been crucified, raised from the dead? If you can, they may be good and they may sound religious, but they're not really salutary and they're they're not even really uniquely Christian. And I think that's one of the ways to test the Spirit. The Holy Spirit always preaches Jesus. He's preoccupied with Jesus, so much so that sometimes in the Bible he gets forgotten, you know, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the Christ. And we say, well, what happened to the Holy Spirit? 
he tends to be kind of bashful and, and recedes into the background because his job, as Jesus articulated in John, is to take what belongs to Jesus and deliver it to us. He's in the delivery business, the forgiveness and salvation delivery business. And so where Christ is proclaimed, the Spirit's at work. And so one great way to test the spirits is what are they saying about Jesus? And, uh, and when Jesus is proclaimed crucified and risen for your salvation, the Spirit is at work. Another way of testing things is are you driven inward to your own thoughts and feelings, or are you directed outward, outward toward the word, outward toward the sacrament, to the objective things? And then being objective, you're rescued from being an individual. Now you are dealing with things that other people experience, see, and hear as well. And so we have a commonality. We have a basis for communion and community. Pastor Bill Swirla is a retired pastor in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of a recent column for the Lutheran Witness magazine, A Buffet of Beliefs. Bill, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Todd. When we come back in Hour 2 of Issues, etc., we're going to be talking with Pastor Tom Baker. He will be teaching a Sunday school lesson on the prophet Jonah. Then we'll spend some time with Dr. Poppy Rostinen, a member of the Finnish Parliament. She'll tell us about today's ruling on a freedom of speech and religion trial in Finland. The church's music from the second century. The 6th century. The 12th century. The 16th century. The 21st century. The best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. How can Christians live out their faith in the church, the family, and the government? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Faith That Shines in the Culture. It's written by regular guest Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. Learn more about Faith That Shines in the Culture at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Faith That Shines in the Culture, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. Memoria Press is a worldwide leader in the publishing of classical Christian education. We have everything you need for students in kindergarten through 12th grade, and our materials can be used in any classroom setting to suit your needs. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 to save $5 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. <laughs> 